Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by and welcome to 4Q and Fiscal Year 2020 Financial Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. I'd like to hand conference over to your first speaker today, Ms. Fiona Chen. Thank you. Please go ahead. Thank you, operator. Uh, good evening and a good morning, everyone. My name is Fiona. I'm the Investor Relations at Agora. Thank you for joining Agora's fourth quarter 2020 earnings conference call. Joining me today are Tony Zhao, founder, chairman, and CEO, uh, and Jin Guo Wang, our CFO. Our earnings results press release and a slide deck can be found on our IR website at investor.agora.io. Reconciliations between our GAAP and non-GAAP results can be found in our earnings press release. During this call, we will make forward-looking statements about our future financial performance and other future events and trends, including guidance. These statements are only predictions that are based on what we believe today, and the actual results may differ materially. These forward-looking statements are subject to risks, uncertainties, assumptions, and other factors that could affect our financial results and the performance of our business. We will discuss them in details in our filings with the SEC, including today's earnings press release. And the risk factors and other information contained in the final perspectives relating to our initial public offering. Agora assumes no obligation to update any forward-looking statements we may make on today's call. With that, let me turn over to Tony. Thank you, Fiona, and welcome, everyone. Reflecting on the year, the global pandemic has brought tremendous changes and challenges to every one of us. Despite the year's trauma, we have seen a significant acceleration in the demand for online ways of living and working. There is a growing need for contextual real-time video or voice engagement in almost any app we use. We are proud to be there when the world needed the real-time engagement more than ever before. Now, on earnings, we finished the fourth quarter with revenue of $33.3 million up 74% year-over-year. We reached more than 270,000 registered apps at the end of December, adding nearly 9,000 per month in the fourth quarter. Our number of active customers reached nearly 2,100, up 101% year-over-year. For the full year of 2020, our revenue was $134 million, which represents an increase of 107% year-over-year. Besides numbers, 2020 was a year of innovation. We crossed a number of noteworthy milestones, such as powering 40 billion minutes of engagement per month. We continue to create industry first, such as our Experience Level Agreement, or XRA, We further broadened our product offerings, optimized our technology, and helped developers around the world to create many innovative use cases. Out of the many new use cases we empowered, I want to elaborate on two of them here. The first one is Interactive Lecture Hall, 
a large-size classroom with more than 100 students is widely considered as the most economical model for live online education. Previously, such classes are taught through one-way video broadcasting powered by traditional content delivery technology, where latency is anywhere between 3 and 10 seconds or even more. Given the high and uneven latency, there is very little room for students to interact with teacher or among themselves. Recently, we have been working with leading online education institutions on redefining the lecture hall experience. Here, the interactive lecture hall runs entirely on our real-time engagement platform and switches between one-way broadcasting sessions and fully, and fully interactive breakout sessions. During the one-way broadcasting sessions, students can enjoy real-time non-video uh, non interactions such as voting and uh, posting emojis. During the breakout sessions, students from small groups to work, uh, students form small groups to work on assignments together. We believe that interactive lecture hall combines the engaging learning experience of small class and the cost effectiveness of large classroom, and it is an emerging trend in online education. The second one is audio livecast. I believe most people are familiar with audio podcast, but what is audio livecast? Podcast is like radio channels. Uh, there is one speaker or sometimes multiple speakers in the same physical room, and all the audience simply listen to the speakers. Livecast, on the other hand, creates a virtual in the same room experience. Here, multiple speakers can join from different locations worldwide and discuss spontaneously thanks to ultra-low-latency audio. Instead of just listening, the audience can raise their hand and come on stage to join the speakers anytime. We believe live cast represents a new way for people to connect and learn, and we are particularly proud that our proprietary NOVA audio codec further enhances the experience by offering crystal clear HD audio. These are just two examples out of the many new use cases we see, such as uh, virtual events, remote assistance, remote collaboration, and virtual tours. We are really encouraged by the enthusiasm and creativity from our developers. We also made solid progresses on new products that, uh, in this quarter. Recently, we released the first version of Agora Flexible Classroom, a low-code application path solution for education providers. It combines video, voice, messaging, whiteboard, and recording functionalities into one cloud-based solution that allows developers to build an online classroom in a matter of minutes. Compared with our standard SDK, Agora Flexible Classroom can significantly simplify software software development and shorten time to market. Compared with out-of-the-box SaaS solution, Agora Flexible Classroom allows developers to use their own brands and have complete control of their own user data. In addition, Agora Flexible Classroom is modular, uh, is, is modular 
which means developer can customize their application to create differentiated user experience. Agora Flexible Classroom represents an important step in our low-code, no-code effort, which we believe will reduce the friction of adoption and expand our addressable markets. Moving on to the M&A slide, we recently agreed to acquire Ismod, a leading instant, messenger, uh, instant messaging API provider, and complete the acquisition of Netlist, a leading interactive whiteboard API provider. Both companies share our developer-first philosophy, and they bring highly complementary APIs to our product portfolio, which our developers and customers often ask for. As a pioneer and longtime market leader, Ismo has also, uh, you know, also has a large and vibrant developer community. We believe that with these two acquisitions, we are uniquely well positioned to help developers build more immersive real-time engagement use cases. Last but not the least, security, compliance, and privacy protection are critical to our success. Recently, we reduced, recently we received SOC2 Type 1 certificate as certified by Deloitte. Our network penetration, application vulnerability, and compliance assessment were also recently completed by TrustWave Holdings, a global security specialist. Looking forward, we will continue to work with leading, uh, leading experts to ensure that our security practice remains best in class. Overall, 2020 was a milestone year for us in many ways. We launched Agora seven years ago in a garage in Silicon Valley, and it's amazing how much we have accomplished in the past seven years. I want to, set, I want to take this moment to thank all the developers, customers, partners, and investors for your trust in us, and above all, to all Agorans, including new Agorans from Ismob and Netlist. Thank you for your hard work and commitment to serving our developers and customers. There is a long journey ahead of us toward ubiquitous real-time engagement. Let's start fresh, just like seven years ago. Now, let me turn things over to Jingbo, who will reveal our financial results. Thank you, Tony. Hello, everyone. Let me start first by reviewing reviewing our financial results for Q4, and then I will discuss a look for the fiscal year of 2021. Total revenues grew 74% year over year to US dollar 33.3 million in the fourth quarter of 2020. Total revenues for the fiscal year 2020 were US dollar 133.6 million, which represented 107% year over year growth and exceeded the high end of a guidance by 3.6 million. In 2020, we have powered more than 500 billion minutes of real-time engagements in total. As we mentioned in previous earnings calls, our revenues in Q1 and Q2 this year were positively impacted by the spike of usage due to COVID-19 in China. In order to help investors better understand 
our organic growth, excluding such short-term impact, we calculate Q1 and Q2 adjusted total revenues as follows. For each customer in China, we use its revenue in Q4 2019 as a starting point, and revenue in Q3 2020 as the end point, and calculate its adjusted revenue in Q1 Q2 as an arithmetic progression from the starting point to the end point. Revenues from customers outside China remain unchanged. This would lead to adjusted total revenues of 22.2 million in Q1 and 27 million in Q2. And the adjusted total revenues for the full year of 2020 were 113.3 million. Our trailing 12 months constant currency dollar-based net expansion rate is 179%. If we use adjusted total revenues, the adjusted expansion rate would be 149%. Now, turning to cost, expense, and margin, I will focus on non-GAAP results, which exclude share-based compensation expense. Non-GAAP gross margin for the fourth quarter was 60.5%, which was 5.9% lower than Q4 last year and 2% lower than Q3 this year. The decrease in gross margin was mainly due to international expansion into regions with higher infrastructure costs, such as Southeast Asia, South America, and Oceania, as well as capacity expansion in anticipation of future usage growth. Non-GAAP R&D expense were 13 million in Q4, up 88% year over year, as we continue to build our R&D team. Non-GAAP R&D expenses were 39.2% of total revenues in the quarter, compared to 36.4% in Q4 last year. Looking forward, we'll continue to invest significant resources in our R&D capabilities in order to further strengthen our technology leadership and broaden our API portfolio. Non-GAAP sales and marketing expenses were 6.9 million in Q4, up 34% year over year, mainly attributable to team expansion and the increased advertising and event expenses, for example, our RTE virtual conferences in October. Sales and marketing expenses represented 20.8% of total revenues in the quarter, compared to 27.1% in Q4 last year. We believe this has again demonstrated the efficiency and scalability of a developer-centric go-to-market model. Non-GAAP G&A expenses were 5.7 million in Q4, up 163% year-over-year, mainly due to team expansion and professional service fees. G&A expenses represented 17% of total revenues in the quarter, compared to 11.2% in Q4 last year. Non-GAAP operating loss was 4.8 million, translating to a 14.4% non-GAAP operating loss margin fourth quarter, compared to a net loss margin of 8.1% in Q4 last year. Turning to cash flow, our operating cash flow was positive 2 million in Q4 compared to positive 2.1 million last year. Free cash flow was negative 1.4 million 
compared to positive 0.9 million last year. Net cash outflow in Q4 was mainly due to the purchase of servers and network equipment as we continue to scale our business. Moving on to balance sheet, we ended Q4 with 635.4 million in cash, cash equivalents, and short-term investments, compared to 635 million at the end of Q3. Subsequently, we raised 250 million by issuing ordinary shares to an accredited investor earlier this month. Now, turning to guidance, COVID-19 is still an unprecedented variable to our business model where historical experience may not apply. Our guidance on full-year revenue reflects a number of assumptions that are subject to change based on the uncertainties related to the impact of COVID-19. With that, we currently expect total revenues for the fiscal year 2021 to be in the range of 178 million to 182 million, which would represent approximately 35% year-over-year growth as a midpoint, or if we use adjusted total revenues for 2020, 59% year-over-year growth at midpoint. In closing, we executed very well and are proud of our strong performance we delivered in our first year as a public company. We'll continue to empower developers and meet customer needs around the world. Thank you to the entire Agora team for your hard work this past year, and hope you are healthy and safe. Let's open up for questions. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star one on your telephone. If you wish to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone and wait for a name to be announced. If you wish to cancel your request, please press the banner hash key. Your first question comes from the line of Yang Yu. Please ask your question. Uh, uh, thanks uh, for the opportunity for uh, to ask questions. Uh, three questions from my side. Um, the first one is um, can management share uh, the uh, revenue upside from penetrating the uh, audio uh, uh, live broadcast uh, use cases? Uh, how should we think about the, or how to think about the uh, uh, revenue upside and how to quantify that? And do we have other uh, customer beyond uh, uh, Clubhouse? The second question is uh, uh, how much is uh, uh, ESMOB revenue contribution in the full year uh, 2021 guidance and what is the organic uh, uh, revenue growth in the guidance? And the last question is uh, gross margin outlook uh, because we have new use cases, uh, new acquisition, etc. Do you think the fourth quarter 2020 uh, gross margin is uh, sustainable going forward? Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so I guess uh, I'll take all the three questions. On the first question, uh, first of all, we have internal policies on customer disclosure and we cannot comment on particular customers other than what's already disclosed on our website. So we will not comment on any particular customer names. 
but regarding this use case, uh, it's actually not an entirely new use case. Uh, there have the previously what we call the audio chat room uh, was a uh, existing use case for a long time, and obviously recently there have been a lot of new developments in the area. We do see a significant pickup in usage. Uh, with that said, because audio price per minute is uh, much lower than video price per minute, so audio livecast uh, as a whole, the revenue contribution uh, is not that significant if you think about the overall picture. Uh, so uh, we wouldn't get a very significant uh, revenue upside from this one use case alone, given we have so many use cases on the platform. On the second question, uh, currently eSmob has a revenue run rate of around $1 million a month, and uh, we are currently in the closing stage of the acquisition. We expect the acquisition to complete in the next a few weeks. So with that, uh, I would say uh, the full-year contribution would be something around $10 million. And lastly, on gross margin, um, our current view is we we think there will be uh, short-term pressure on gross margin in the near term. Uh, we do not believe it will be very different from what we have already seen in Q4. Uh, there are mainly two factors at play. The first factor is uh, international expansion. As we mentioned before, currently given uh, a scales, smaller scales in certain markets and the higher infrastructure cost in those markets, our margin is uh, uh, relatively lower uh, in those new markets. And as we, uh, our revenue contribution from these markets increase, that will have a, uh, that, that will cause a drag on the overall GP margin. The second factor is uh, all the technical optimizations we are implementing. So uh, in the short term, it's likely that the first factor will be stronger. So we'll have near some pressure on the margin, but we do expect uh, things should recover in a few quarters time as more and more optimizations take effect gradually. Oh, thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Rich Valera from Edham. Please ask your question. Thank you. Um, first question is a follow-up on the uh, the new uh, voice model that you've been talking about, and just wanted to to get a sense of how you actually get paid on that. Is it fair to think that each room in uh, in, in one of these voice-based um, social apps would be, would be one live interactive audio stream, and you could have many participants in that stream that would effectively be free? I just wanted to try to understand how to think about that. Uh, thanks. Uh, we actually charge based on uh, per minute per participant. So let's say there are 10 participants in that room. Uh, there's a 10 minutes of, uh, of engagement, uh, so that will be 10 times 10, 100 minutes charged. Okay, got it. Thanks very much on that. Um, 
And then what are things I think you can say about your your new um, active customer additions? They've been quite strong for the last several quarters, and just wondering how you're seeing them ramp relative to pre-COVID. Are you seeing similar ramps, or just I wanted to get any sense of how how your new customers have been ramping over the last couple of quarters? Uh, overall, I would say the ramp-up isn't normal. Uh, however, one thing I do need to stress is uh, uh, similar to what we did with the uh, adjusted revenue and adjusted uh, expansion rate, uh, there was this uh, short-term impact from COVID, uh, particularly in China. So during the uh, height of the COVID uh, situation, obviously a lot of uh, new apps, new developers came to the platform and they started to experiment. And uh, as you can imagine, as COVID quickly uh, passed, uh, some of those uh, developers and those use cases disappear. So that would cause some distortion in the revenue and also the expansion rate as well as the number of customers. So that, that is uh, the, uh, the kind of the abnormal factor here. Uh, but if we take that out, uh, I think everything else is uh, uh, pretty, pretty normal. Uh, not drastically different from what we saw before. Got it. And my final one is on OPEX. I was wondering if you could give us any help um, for modeling in terms of how to think of OPEX in 2021 versus 2020, um, either in absolute dollars or in, in percentage of revenue. Uh, we do not uh, pro provide specific guidance on uh, exact uh, operating margin. Uh, however, as we mentioned earlier, uh, we'll continue to invest very heavily on R&D. So R&D will remain uh, the main uh, main component within OPEX. And uh, G&A, uh, the, the ratio we saw in Q4 is high. We do think uh, it will be lower than that, given we had a few uh, uh, we had a few professional uh, fees projects related to uh, security audit, uh, as Tony mentioned earlier in his, uh, in his opening remarks, uh, completed in Q4. So Q4, uh, we have a few, a few non-recurring items. So, um, so the GNA expense would be lower uh, as percentage of revenue. Sales and marketing would, would be uh, around similar levels as percentage of revenue uh, compared to 20, 2020. Got it. Thank you very much. Your next question comes from the line of Emerson Chan from Bank of America. Please ask your question. Hi, thank you, management. I have three questions. My first question is about our overseas market. Uh, how much revenue is contributed from overseas in Q4? and what we see differently now versus, let's say, one year ago in terms of customer acquisition in the overseas market, uh, in terms of course, our brand awareness and the developer outreach. And my second question is regarding uh, the LT use case in the audio live cast we mentioned before. How should we think about our technology leadership in the audio use case whether it is less significant uh, on audios uh, than the video use case given, um, you know, um, 
audio traffic may look uh, less demanding. And what are our competitive advantage on the audio use case that our competitors do not offer? And my last question is about the usage of the audio uh, live cast use case. I just wonder if listen-only audience uh, also need to use LTE, and what are the alternative technology that can accommodate those listen-only audience, and what are their quality and cost difference uh, versus our LTE? Thank you. Thank you, Emerson. I will take the first question, and Tony will take the, uh, uh, the other two questions. So in terms of the uh, overseas revenue mix, uh, in the most recent quarter in Q4, actually revenue from uh, uh, U.S. and uh, uh, other markets, so non-China markets, uh, was already close to 30%. It's uh, a little less than 30%. So it's significantly more than, uh, let's say, one year ago or two years ago. And uh, in terms of uh, the overall situation in the over, uh, non-China market, we have seen developer sign-up continue to be uh, very strong uh, worldwide. The monthly developer registration, so new apps registered on the platform outside China, right now is almost three times as many as one year ago. And if you just do some simple uh, search engine search uh, on the uh, main keywords like uh, video hall, uh, video streaming, uh, you, you can see that uh, uh, a lot of times we are already ahead of major competitors. So we have uh, gone a long way, and we are in a much stronger uh, situation compared to uh, one or two years ago. But there's still a lot of work to do. Uh, we, we recently added quite a few development firm frameworks, such as React Native, Flutter, on, on Unreal, and we are working on a few more. And then we recently launched the startup program, so we'll uh, better uh, help startups to get free credit, uh, get technical support, so that they can better build their uh, innovative use cases. So overall, we think uh, we're on the right track, uh, but we still need to be more proactive and be more strategic to really uh, solidify our position as the go-to platform for uh, the RT, for RT APIs uh, worldwide. Okay, I'll address uh, the question around uh, our technical or uh, technology leadership. Uh, you know whether it's uh, less significant on audio-only use cases, and uh, you know uh, about uh, advantages. Uh, it's actually very clear to us that. Uh, uh, our tech technology leadership is not less significant on audio-only use cases. I'll explain why. Uh, because you know, video is commonly known for more demanding than audio in terms of traffic and CPU usage. But that doesn't mean audio is easy to do because uh, people are more sensitive to audio quality. For example, in the video call, if the video frame uh, freeze for like a second or so, uh, or some, uh, or have has some color blocks for a few seconds. It's less than ideal, but you won't feel too uncomfortable or you know hard to continue the conversation. But if the audio breaks up for like a second or you know a few seconds, or there's a sharp noise happening like in this call, then uh, you know you would very much uh, likely to feel really uncomfortable or not able to continue the conversation. 
In terms of our advantage in audio use cases, uh, you know, uh, there are at least three of those uh, advantages. Uh, we have a proprietary codec to provide a higher quality, and we have a much better network to cover global audience. And also, we leverage AI technology to further enhance audio experience uh, in our services. Uh, you know, we have a, a proprietary codec called Nova, which is widely used in today's live cast use case, uh, where it provides full audio, uh, full band audio with very low bit rate, which is a killer feature for audio live cast use cases. And again, our network, which is called SDRTN, provides the best global coverage in this market in any country, especially across long distance. Uh, it's uh, hard to really ensure the, the experience across region and uh, various type of devices. And we also uh, use artificial intelligence to improve various aspects of audio quality. For, for example, AI-based noise, noise uh, uh, reduction and cancellation. Um, you know, on, uh, the third question were uh, about uh, listening-only audience use cases. Uh, you know, uh, on RTE, uh, I think you know it's important to understand that listen-only uh, you know use cases is uh, is so-called podcast, and listen most of the time, but can jump in any time to discuss is hugely different from strictly listening-only. Uh, you know, you need to understand uh, because this is a new use case where psychologically uh, the audience or the participant feel really different from strictly listening only. Having the ability to interact uh, gives people the feeling of being there or being together. Uh, the, the, whether they make any response or not means a lot you know, in that environment. And people do come on stage to interact from time to time. They hear something they are really passionate about which makes the whole discussion more spontaneous. So that's very different from you know, strictly uh, listening only. That's why we see it's necessary for such use case to use uh, RT. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Colin Liu from China Renaissance. Please ask your question. Uh, good morning, management. Thanks uh, uh, for the opportunity to ask the question. Uh, I have uh, just one on the acquisition of eSmob. Uh, with the IM capabilities uh, to be added to Agora's platform, um, what do you think of the new business cases uh, we, we should actually focus on? And are these new business cases going to bring some uh, new customers that we may never across in the past before? Uh, and also, I noticed that uh, actually before the acquisition and the cooperation with Agora, uh, eSmob also outlined some overseas expansion plan, particularly in the ASEAN market. So how do we see the potential opportunities in overseas markets, uh, you know, with, regarding the cooperation with uh, eSmob in the future? Thank you. Uh, I would say the acquisition of eSmob and the addition of uh, the messaging API uh, is less about uh, penetrating into customers we can never penetrate before. It's more about offering a more complete and more seamless solution to customers. 
uh, actually, this is not something we imagine. It's uh, during our experience with uh, developers and with customers. In fact, instant messaging API is one of the most frequently requested feature from our developer community. So if you imagine uh, all the apps you have used, if an app has a video or voice engagement functionality embedded, actually uh, there's a very high chance it al also needs instant messaging uh, function. So now with uh, the IM APIs uh, on the platform as well, we can offer these, develop these developers and customers a, a more seamless integration of all the features. And if you think about it, actually the primary way for people to interact in an app uh, are basically video, voice, and uh, messaging. So now we have all, them, all of these covered. So uh, that's uh, really the, the uh, logic. So we think this is a very natural move. I think uh, to add a little bit to that, uh, you know, the instant messaging APIs falls under a bigger uh, umbrella of RTE APIs, uh, you know, which uh, we, we, we've been working on for a long time. It does, uh, you know, give us uh, complementary uh, features and more APIs to serve our customer base, uh, which uh, will help customers to more easily to build uh, their uh, actual uh, use cases or their apps. Uh, this will definitely help us a lot in growing, uh, you know, our, our uh, developers. Plus, on international expansion, there are past, uh, you know, effort uh, for ISMOP to expand internationally. I think with the acquisition, uh, they can, uh, you know, leverage our existing, you know, operation uh, globally, which uh, proven to be successful in the past, to further penetrate to serve global developers instead of in the past, more so in China developers. Very clear. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Eric Wynn from Blue Lotus. Please ask your question. Oh, good morning. Uh, thanks um, for uh, answering my questions, and uh, congratulations on a good quarter. Uh, my question is regarding this uh, other revenues. Uh, we noticed that uh, our other revenues has grown quite a bit uh, this quarter. Uh, does this represent uh, to our customers or more customization, customization requirements, or it represents a new class of revenues? Uh, we, we plan to continue to develop in the future. And, and if you can comment on what is the gross margin profile of these other revenues, it would be very helpful. Thanks. Uh, sure. So this uh, other revenue uh, is mainly due to one enterprise customer where uh, we provide essentially the same product and same service, but the contract is structured as a license as requested, requested by the customer. So it's booked as other revenue but uh, essentially it's uh, really the same service. Uh, but given this is a, a one case where it was one particular customer, we actually don't think this will constitute a, a new line of business. Uh, it seems like this will happen from time to time, but uh, we don't consider this as uh, anything different from what we already do. Okay, thanks. <clears throat> Once again, ladies and gentlemen, if you wish to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone and wait for a name to be announced. 
Your next question comes from the line of Akida Erkin from China Securities. Please ask your question. Uh, thank you, Manishin, for taking my question. Uh, so there are three questions from my site. The first one is about online education. So it's wondering if management update us in terms of progress of penetrating online uh, education customers. So at present, what is the proportion of revenue contributed by small classes versus large classes? And how we see the potential market size of RTE in online education sector in China? And my second question is about the strategy of product development and R&D. So what is the focus of R&D and product development currently, and what's the most challenging part? And apart from education and entertainment sectors, are there any innovative RT application emerging from other fields such as finance and IoT and so on? And my third question is about overseas business. So for 2021 and also for the mid to long term, what is the expected proportion of revenue contributed by overseas business? And it would be appreciated if you can talk a bit more about your strategy to develop the global market. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so in terms of uh, revenue contribution from different uh, class formats, uh, right now we, so the small class is still the majority uh, uh, format. Uh, we have about half of revenue from small class, and the other ha half, it's uh, between one and one use cases, and then uh, large, class, large class or the lecture hall. Uh, but we believe uh, lecture hall use case, as Tony discussed earlier, has a significant pot uh, potential, uh, because as Tony explained, uh, that class format is most economical. You can have one teacher or a few teachers uh, teaching hundreds or even thousands of students. So the model itself is very uh, has great in economics. So we do expect uh, the contribution from large class or lecture hall to increase substantially uh, in the future. Um, with that said, we think even for small class and one-on-one -on -one class, uh, there is still a lot of room to grow. Uh, currently, the overall online education market is growing very rapidly, not just in China, but globally. And secondly, uh, there's still significant uh, volume, significant usage uh, currently served by in-house solutions. And we are working hard to convert more and more customers to switch from in-house solutions to professional third-party solutions like our own solution. So that's the first question. Uh, on the second one, uh, we actually don't think the technology is uh, perfect. In fact, we think the technology is uh, far from perfect at the moment. Uh, if you actually ask some of our customers, they will tell you uh, they like our quality uh, relative to competitors, but they don't, they, they, they don't think the quality is uh, uh, good enough in absolute sense. So if our quality can be uh, 20, 30 percent better, they are uh, more than happy to pay us more. So if you think about use cases like uh, high definition 4K or VR, AR, uh, or for a more challenging use case across uh, uh, geography, there's still a long way to go. Um, and if you think about the uh, use cases, I would say, um, 
people talk about social and education, uh, but uh, actually under these two umbrella, there are numerous new in innovative use cases, uh, like audio livecast, right? That's still social, but that's probably something people didn't do before. So even within the two verticals, uh, we think there's still a lot of room to grow. Uh, it is hard to predict uh, what new use cases will emerge, because by definition, right, it's new because we don't know it yet. We haven't developed it yet. So it's hard to predict, but uh, uh, as history has shown, right, people will always innovate, and the need to learn and the need to interact uh, will not go away. So that's on the uh, verticals. But we will not just uh, uh, stay at the pass or SDK level and wait for customers to, to uh, build apps. We'll also, at the same time, uh, try to verticalize ourselves. So the education APAS, Agora Flexible Classroom, is uh, one of the first efforts uh, from us uh, in, in terms of verticalization. So this will, because APAS is a low-code solution, so basically it will reduce friction of adoption and allow companies with a smaller development team, uh, or let's say a more traditional enterprise, rather than a pure technology company, will allow them to be able to adopt our technology and build apps um, much more easily. And that will expand the addressable market, uh, addressable developer or customer base. And that can also uh, create new revenue opportunities. So that's the second question. Uh, the third question on overseas revenue. Um, this year, it's hard to say, given a lot of things are moving, including the uh, develop, development of the COVID situation. Right? Um, but we expect uh, run the contribution from outside China will be similar or slightly higher than what we saw in Q4 so around 30%. And uh, we do think uh, the non-China market has huge potential given all the news cases uh, uh, starting to really uh, uh, ramp up and gain, gain popularity. So we do expect to uh, have revenues from outside China to rival uh, revenues in China, from within China in three to five years. Thank you. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, if you wish to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone and wait for it to be announced. You have a follow-up question from the line of Emerson Chan from Bank of America. Please ask your question. Hi, management. May I have one follow-up question on the overseas market? I know we have a global pricing plan, but as far as I know, large customer may have some discount. So I'm curious on what are the ASP difference in the overseas versus China after the discount we given to our clients, and how should we think about the competition intensities in the overseas market versus China? Thank you. Uh, in fact, in terms of ASP. In the most recent quarter, uh, the two markets are not that different. 
Long China market still has a slightly lower ASP, uh, but it's not drastically different. Uh, I'm talking about real ASP, the after discount ASP. Um, but as we mentioned earlier, the challenge is really the infrastructure cost. Uh, the scale in China, the, the network capacity in China is much higher. So we are able to uh, get uh, relatively efficient procurement cost. But in other China, although the overall scale is not that small, but that's distributed across many different uh, geographies, many different countries. So in one particular country, the scale could be quite small, and that causes uh, the infrastructure cost to be uh, higher. That, that's the challenge at the moment. Um, in terms of competition, I guess people have saying that recently there have been new uh, entrants into the market, including some uh, large companies, uh, which we, we actually think, again, confirms the potential of this uh, market. Uh, in terms of the difference, I would say the uh, non-China, U.S., and rest of the world market is less well-defined and still shaping up compared with China. Uh, in China, the market has been well-defined uh, primarily by us, and there are competitors who compete with us in a more direct way. Uh, but also China, uh, I think we also play a key role in defining the market, uh, but we see competitors from various different backgrounds and they try to offer some overlapping products, uh, but uh, very few are comp competing uh, with everything we do. Uh, some of them do a little bit of video call, uh, some do a little bit of voice, uh, some do streaming. Uh, uh, we don't see a lot of competitors uh, really try to do uh, the same thing we do, that is to power all kinds of immersive engagement use cases. Uh, so, I would say the market of the China overall is uh, still less developed. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, if you wish to ask a question, please press bar 1 on your telephone. There are no further questions at this time. I would like to have a conference back to today's presenters. Please continue. Thank you, everyone. Uh, feel free to email us uh, or contact us through investor.agora.io. Thank you again. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes this. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may all disconnect. Thank you. Bye-bye.